Welcome back to another oh. ed- edition of the Right Guys podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And I'm John Family, and I think I left my microphone muted when I did my wonderful that, intro. And it was a good one. one. <laughs> it's one of those pesky mute buttons. But thanks everyone for joining us. It's been it's been a hot second. Um, I want to apologize. Josh was ready to go last week. I wasn't. Oh, now we lost Josh. Josh just hopped off. He'll be back on. Um, I was ready to go last week. Josh wasn't. I was at a conference um, for the Napa Institute, which is a Catholic think tank. Hey, Josh. Sorry. I'm just rolling, explaining why we weren't live last last yeah. week. Uh, Catholic think tank in Napa, California. Beautiful area. Terrible politics. Mm-hmm. Um so I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't able to be on the show last week, and a lot's happened. A little bit, a little bit's happened in the last week. We have Donald Trump <laughs> being indicted again. Um, they just killed a Trump supporter in an early six a.m. raid. We'll talk about that a little bit. It came out that uh, Ray lied under oath, claiming that they weren't really targeting cons- conservative Catholics. Now it turns oh. out that instead of his testimony, that they're only looking at out of one. FBI branch. There were actually three that were surveilling, spying on Catholics. And then just yeah, okay, 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 okay. And then and then just just the utter lawlessness of the prosecutorial environment in today's day and age. Josh, I know near and dear to your heart is the homeless issue because you live in Denver, and uh, we'll talk a little bit. Why don't we start with that? Why don't we start with that because that is uh, it, it fits in this whole theme of prosecutorial discretion. The left controls. Uh, obviously Denver, right? They control San Francisco, major oh, cities. Yeah, absolutely. And they control the Justice Department, and they get to pick and choose what they want to prosecute. And it seems that they want to prosecute conservatives. They don't want to prosecute actual criminals. Correct. What's going on in Denver? Uh, first, I'm going to kind of start with the homeless problem. So we declared a national uh, state, that the new mayor, let me start again, declared a homeless emergency on his second day in office. and. Uh, they have about 1,500, quote unquote, free homes that they're going to give to the homeless. And I've heard them say, I heard them say they want to give 10,000 free homes, 10, 10 zero, 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 zero homes to the homeless. And I happened to talk to a Denver police uh, detective. I won't say his name just because, you know, it is a very liberal environment down there. And um, he said, you are about to watch Denver turn into Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York on steroids. Because now every homeless person around the country is going to come to Colorado, quote unquote, for their free house. A free house. So think about that. I mean, that's wow. That's wild, right? Second is we've had a lot of, um, you know, the new red flag stuff all over it. They're trying to ban all quote unquote, assault rifles and all that stuff. But imagine a world where all the homeless want to show up to one state, one city, right? I mean, it's not a statewide issue. I see this turning into a statewide problem when Denver says they can't afford it. And they're going to ask the rest of the state to make up the uh, the, the dollars for all these homes they want to build. And where are they going to put 10,000 homes? Where are they going to get 10,000 homes? What about all the people that just want a house that want to buy? You know, you can start giving away to all this. I don't know where they are going to give those homes. Um, part of the reason that me and my wife left Colorado is we looked around and we couldn't afford to buy a house. <laughs> like they they were putting up these little, technically they were freestanding homes. They might as well have been townhomes because you could reach mm-hmm. out your window and touch the house next to you. Oh yeah. Um, and they wanted 400,000. 
for like a, a 1500 square foot house. Mm-hmm. Where are they getting these houses? Are these like tiny homes? Um, and, and where are they getting the water, Josh? Because I remember when I moved to Colorado in 2014, originally, mm-hmm. there was yeah. a big story that they had built a whole neighborhood. They had drilled a test well to make sure that they could be on well water. They drill, they built this whole neighborhood and then they went to actually dig the wells and the wells were dry. Right. They had no water yeah. and they had to truck water in every week for these homes, these expensive homes. Where are they going to get the water for these 10,000 homes? I thought we were in a drought. Uh, so uh, technically, well, Colorado for the first time in like 20 years, every county has not been in a drought for the first time this year, if you didn't know. So you got, you got a lot the water of problems fixed. Water problems fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Water problems fixed in a, in a semi-arid step, right? You know, we're not in the desert. So that, that problem is, is, is okay there. So we'll have plenty of water. There'll be plenty of money. There's plenty of hotel rooms to put them up in. I think it's going to be just fine. Uh, we recently put in a bunch of, uh, well, we were going to put in a bunch of bathrooms for the homeless to use along the 16th Street Mall and some of those other places, but uh, we couldn't rent them. The city couldn't rent them, so they had to purchase them because there was no places to dispose of the needles and all the normal stuff that, that comes associated with that. So right now, there's a bunch of free bathrooms. So if you got to go in the bathroom downtown, just just pick one. Yeah. Or just be mindful of the needles while you're over there. But there's there's no room for this, man. You know, the Colorado uh, Real Estate Association doesn't even have list houses under five hundred thousand dollars now because the median has reached five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, in the state, you're talking about a fifteen hundred square foot home with no basement, right? I mean, just yeah, there's no basement now, so it's half the square footage technically, same price. It's we listen, can't sell our house, we can't move. Yeah, no, because you can't move into Colorado because you yeah. just be buying another high priced home. Um, I, I've been trying to sell you on moving to Texas or getting out of there. Um, my, my heart, my heart breaks for people who are homeless. Like it is not an easy, um, situation. And when I see homeless people and I, and on the street, I'll, I'll give them a couple bucks, right. I'll, I'll help them out. However, they can give them some food, run to the store, get them something. You're um, to me. The, the problem is it's not just homeless people. It's not like there's a bunch of people who in Denver just lost their job, lost their homes, and now they're living on the street. People are coming to Denver to be homeless. People are, are traveling around the country to be homeless because they prefer to be homeless in one location than another. Now, part of that is Republican conservative states and cities doing this. Um, uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine who was just on a flight. Uh, across country and she was on a flight with a obviously homeless man who was going through the shakes going through withdrawal smelled of of piss it was it was a terrible situation he he was on a flight and and she was laughing joking with me that every time the the flight attendant would pass by they'd spray a little perfume on him mm-hmm. um he was going from one city to another now that was what i believe we don't know because we didn't talk, they didn't talk to him what i believe is that was one city saying hey there was no room in our housing you keep breaking the law you keep um, getting excited for vacancy. Where do you want to go? Where do you have family? Okay, we'll put you on a flight so you can go there. So they sent him to California. Josh, I was in California for seven days. Um, and these people I'm were sorry. there too with me. Yeah. These people were there too. And they called me the other day and they said, would you believe that the homeless man was still in the airport? He yeah. landed on their flight. A week goes by, and he's still in the airport. And Josh, he was on their return flight. So he got put, he got sent to California. Where do you want to go? California gets him and says, hey, well, we don't have any place for you. We'll buy you a return flight back to where you came from. 
and then he goes back. And you look into this, and this happens all the time. People, well, it happens in Hawaii a ton oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Hawaii, where, where people will be like, oh, we'll give you a free flight. Where do you want to go? Oh, I'll go live in Hawaii. So a lot of homeless people in Hawaii aren't Hawaiians. They've just decided to be homeless there. And with Denver and Colorado, with marijuana and, and, and all states. that. Yeah, there is definitely an incentive for that. And we know that with drug use, drug abuse comes crime. And you see that these liberal prosecutors aren't prosecuting those crimes. They're, so not only are they saying, hey, come on here, you can have your drugs here. We'll, we'll have safe needle drop-offs, needle exchanges, whatever, weed, everything. We'll give you free houses. Not only are they doing that, but then when they inevitably do break the law, they're not prosecuted. So it, it's just yeah. a self-perpetuating cycle. Right. And, uh, you know, these are sanctuary cities, you know, bring us your, your cold, your, your starving, your whatever it is, you know, they accept everybody until, you know, they can't anymore. Uh, a lot of them will fly them out to Hawaii. I've been told by law enforcement there, the whole reason they leave Hawaii is because it's harder to get drugs in Hawaii because it's just hard to smuggle in drugs, right? Hard to get really anything in Hawaii. <laughs> hard to get anything in Hawaii. Most of them will just show up there for the summer and just, you know, enjoy the, the heat, right? Or at least the winter and stuff yeah. like that because they're seasonal people, you know, they're very migrant, right? You're saying, and, you're saying uh, we have homeless snowbirds. Absolutely. You bet. I mean, there's a reason they go to Southern California, Hawaii, Colorado yeah. in the summers and all the winters especially, but they'll, you know, they, they move where the drugs are. Yeah. You know, I've been talking to a lot of cops here and like crack is almost completely extinct. Because you know what? Most crack? of the people in the streets, crack is almost extinct. At least well, in the state Hunter of Biden's bought it all up. He's cornered the market. Well, well, he's he's getting he's right. He's getting ready for a drop, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so maybe maybe he 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 hoovered it all up, but uh, it's all fentanyl here, right? It's all yeah. crack has gone away. It's cheaper. It's super easy to smuggle, and it takes three chemicals. You can make it on site, and I think that's what's happening in a lot of places. You can't do that in Hawaii, and a lot of sanctuary cities, you know, seems to be these these, these strongholds for the drug trade. So, I mean, you got snowbirds traveling to where the, the weather is. They travel to where the drugs are. They'll travel to a place where they get a free place to stay. So I'm going I'm to put a video up on the screen while you're talking. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned the sanctuary city oh. bit. This is yeah. New York City. So New York City advertised itself as a sanctuary city. And so Florida, DeSantis, Abbott in Texas called New York's bluff, and they have been sending migrants from Florida and Texas to New York City and say, hey, you're a sanctuary city. We're not. Mm -hmm. Go here and they'll take care of you. And what you're seeing on screen is just this reporter, this Viral News NYC, yeah. walking down the street and just videotaping just throngs of people. I don't want to use a, a, a word that a dehumanizing word, but throngs yeah. of people just sitting there because they have nowhere to go. And they've been told by these Democrat mayors and, and Democrat city councils, come here and we will take care of you. They've mm -hmm. gone there. And now you're seeing the New York City mayor saying, oh, actually, we're at capacity. Right. We're at capacity. The, bi the biggest city in the country is at capacity. Well, what do you think that means for the little school districts here in Texas? We've been at capacity for 20 years. And the right. liberals have been saying, oh, no, just you can. It's OK if 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 your class size goes from 15 kids to 30 kids and all that those extra kids all speak different languages. It's OK, you can deal with it. But the minute a couple buses land, uh, not land, pull into New York City and, and 100 of these illegal aliens pull uh, hop off, then it's a crisis. Then yeah, it's a crisis. Well, 
I mean, that's the liberal thinking mentality, right? You guys can handle it. You're you're in on the curve. It's like they, they want to flood all the conservative states with these these folks because they want a new voting base, right? It's the only way you really attack a stronghold in a Republican state like Texas is you fill it with people who are going to vote yeah. in the opposite direction. I, I think that's why they do it. Yeah, and the whole capacity thing, it's like, how often did all those liberal states sit there and make fun of Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, saying, you've got the room. Just take yeah, them. Yeah, you've got just some take room. Just take them. You've got plenty you've got of room. room. But the moment it goes to them, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't have the budget for this. How many yeah. times did uh, the mayor of New York say that? We don't have the budget for this. Do you think yeah. Texas had the budget in, in any one of the border yeah. cities for any of that? No, they not really. I mean, they're, they're on thin margins as it is, right? Yeah. Even the businesses are on thin margins, right? And then they're just flooding these people. They're flooding the school system who's already, you know, taxed to death. You know, you're getting taxed to death for schools that can barely put your kids through. You know, they're still asking for you to, to supply school supplies. And we yet, just bought. We just bought my son's school. It's that time, here. right? That's a little different. He he goes to a private school, so we have to we have to provide but, that. But, but public um, schools are telling you you need to show up with X amount yeah. of glue and and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, so now we're also paying for all of the supplies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that it's just changed so radically. But you've got the room. You'll be fine. Put them up in your hotels. I mean, we love to kick, apparently here in Denver, they kick out all of the veterans from the hotel rooms that are homeless and replace them with migrants because apparently one group's more important than the other. I think they're both people, so they should be treated as such. But I mean, what a way to treat your war veterans when you're like, hey, you can't stay here, partner. Well, yeah, obviously they're, they're people and, and I had to stop myself. I, I, I was about to use a word to describe a large gathering that was more geared towards animals. And I, I don't like doing that because it, it, yeah. these are people. But at the end of the day, um, ethically, ethics does not require that you take in everyone on the entire planet and take care of them. Um, I'm a firm believer in what's known as lifeboat ethics. That's the idea that if you have a lifeboat with a certain number of seats, a certain capacity, you save however many you can, right? Uh -huh. But you, with limited resources, a limited ability to help people, if you were to bring in everyone who's in the water into your boat, the boat would sink. And then, yeah. and then everyone's up shit creek, right? right. Well, we're all dead. I mean, we're yeah. all going to drown. So it, it's... Swim. It's not a pure one-to-one, -one, right? We're, the United States isn't just a lifeboat that can only help eight people. But it's important to recognize that over time, the excuse, like, like you were saying, Texas, oh, you can handle. You can handle a couple more people. That's fine. That's no big deal. Well, you do that every year for three decades. And you yeah. reach a point where in, like, San Antonio School District uh, two years ago, there was a huge migrant um, <laughs> crossing, illegal alien crossing. I call them migrants. They're, they're illegal aliens gaming the asylum system yeah. from Africa and they speak French. So the government's like, oh, you got Spanish teachers. You can, you can take these migrants. But yeah, you actually look at who's crossing the border. Yeah, it is predominantly Spanish, but it's not all Spanish speaking. And you have situations now where the teacher's like, I, I can't even speak in English and Spanish and reach the majority of the class. Because you have all these different languages being spoken, and the school yeah. district doesn't have money for translators. It, it's just a mess. It's just a no. complete mess. And it, it really it works into this whole idea of winners and losers when it comes to prosecutors. Yeah. Oh, the conservatives have to go to prison. Liberals like <sighs> Hunter Biden, you get a free pass. It's the same with the federal government as it relates to the states, right? The blue states, oh, New York, no room, out of room, completely out of room. Texas, plenty of room.
right? So if they were honest, they'd apply the same standards to Texas that they applied to New York. They'd apply the same standards to Donald Trump that they apply to Hunter Biden. But they don't because their bias is clearly showing. And from the start at the start of this, when when you had to reset your computer, um, I mentioned that I was at a Catholic conference last week, which is why we didn't have an an episode. I was was traveling that day. And while it didn't come up in that conference that the Biden administration is spying on Catholics, it was definitely in the air. You heard a few people mentioning it because it came out this past year. Christopher Ray admitted under oath that not only is the that the FBI is spying on Catholics, but he said he, he he made a caveat. He said it was only one FBI branch, and as soon oh, really? as he heard about it, he shut it down. Let's go ahead and play this clip of uh, of Ray before Congress. Drawn and removed from FBI systems. You were aghast. Oh, hold on. What's Rewind the difference it. between a traditional Catholic and a radical traditional Catholic? Uh, I'm not a, an expert on the, the Catholic uh, orders. Well, your FBI wrote a memo talking about radical traditional Catholics. I'm just wondering if you could define it for us. Well, what I can tell you is you're referring to the Richmond product, which was a single product by a single field office, which as soon as I found out about it, I was aghast and ordered it withdrawn and removed from FBI systems. You were aghast. Then why won't you let us talk to the people who put it together? We are working on finishing an internal review into what happened We have to wait. We, the Congress, and the American people have to wait until you do an internal review. It's not a criminal investigation going on. They have to wait until they cover it up. Yeah. That's what they're waiting for. That's what it feels like, right? They're waiting until they cover it up. And the reason I bring that up is because we now know that he lied. Put up my screen. I'm going to have to zoom in on this so everyone can read it with me. Um, This is a letter to Christopher Ray from the Committee on the Judiciary. And what this letter is informing them is that through Congress's investigation, they found out that Christopher Ray lied. Ray, Christopher Ray lied when he said that there was only one FBI branch spying on Catholics. I, I want to make sure you understand, everyone listening to this, it, is, it wasn't that there was a Catholic conspiracy to topple the government and align it with the Pope, right? It wasn't that. It was the FBI concluding that Catholics are dangerous and therefore Catholics deserve to be spied upon. So this latest letter out of the uh, Judiciary Committee found that their investigation concluded that he lied. It wasn't just the Richmond branch of the FBI. They also found similar... um, Similar spy efforts running out of the FBI's Portland branch, no surprise there, and the FBI's Los Angeles field office. Now, Josh, we know what goes on in Portland. We know that that is where, I mean, didn't they just have that trial, that Andy No trial? Wasn't that, was that in Portland? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was literally attacked by Antifa. He figured out who they were. He, He sued them for damages. And not only did Andy No lose because the jury and, and the defense attorney stood up and said, I am Antifa. Yeah. The and judge comments. The judge admitted that the jurors were being threatened mm-hmm. and they allowed the jurors. The trial to continue. And then what happens? The jury says, okay, uh, we, we side on behalf of Antifa. Mm-hmm. They go out and, and there's, all the windows are smashed of everyone involved in the case. Oh, it's the prosecutor's side, yep. You'd think that the FBI, Josh, would be worried about that. 
not well, looking at the little grannies walking into church and kneeling to receive confession uh, to receive communion. I mean, have you, have you well, heard of the militant side of the Catholic Church? Oh, yeah, I'm still so trying militant. to figure out where they're at. So much. The, the the more the more extreme you get in the Catholic faith, the more peace loving you get. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the more anti-abortion you become, or yeah, I, I'm still looking for it. Like, at what point did did Catholics become the biggest threat to the United States government? I, for lack of a better word, I mean, is it their 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 love of God? Is it their 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 beliefs? Is it it? Is the dogmatic cons- law that they follow? I don't I know. I have a conspiracy theory. Go ahead. So um, when conservatives, when not conservative, when G- the George W. Bush administration was in office, obviously there was a lot of surveillance on mosques and imams who were connected Absolutely. or suspected to be connected. That was different, at least from where I can see it, because they identified a connection to a foreign terrorist group and surveilled the person and the people that they were gathering with. Whereas here, you have memos saying that Catholics are inherently radical and they deserve to be surveilled. If that had come out in 2005, it, it would, it would there be riots, right? I believe that right now the left, in order to get what they want on both the political side and the social side, they've recognized that they need to divvy up and divide different faiths. Absolutely. You look at the transgender issue. There is no bigger risk to the transgender movement than Christians, Jews, and Muslims getting together, standing together, and saying, hell no. Mm -hmm. And they can't stand that, which is why the left is constantly trying to put all of these sides against each other. Oh, well, the Catholics, they're anti-Semitic. Like oh the Muslims they hate they hate the Jews you you guys hate each other they're always trying to yeah. foment that distrust mm-hmm. and that anger and that conflict because the risk of us banding together and saying well no no matter no matter what holy book you pray to we all recognize that God created man and woman <laughs> he didn't list fifty seven plus other genders, genders. Um, I, I think that that is a huge part of this and they and they see. That they they need the death of faith, the decline of faith, in order to advance an inherently faithless agenda. Yeah, and you see them going after Catholics because Catholics are, and on this issue especially, some of the most outspoken. Yeah, and there's a billion strong Catholics, right? I mean, that's a big number worldwide. Second, we uh, a long time ago we did a show on factionalization, right? Factions. Yep. You know how do you how do you destroy power inside of a group? You factionalize it, right? This is another one of those moves. You, they're trying to divide the Catholics up amongst themselves. You know, which one of you, you know, when does a finger pointing start inside their church? You know, you're the radical. No, you're not. Or you are and you, I'm yeah. not, right? And you've got the, just going at each other's throats. How long? I mean, you already kind of see it in the Christian faith, right? I mean, they've been doing, they've been going after them hard for a long time. Catholic is Christian, but it, they're going after all these these different faiths. And, you know, try to take on... Um, Muslims yet, which I think is coming, right? I'm waiting for that faction of the, you know, the liberal Muslims to start coming out. And so I'm waiting well, you, for that. You, you know that they are, that the left is, is trying not to pick that fight because when they go into a Christian bakery to try yeah. and get that Christian baker to bake a cake for their gay wedding, right? Then they sue the Christian baker. Noticeably absent are the sting operations in Dearborn, Michigan, 
on Muslim bakeries Absolutely. because they exist. They, they, there are oh, yeah, without got... Muslim bakeries. They are not going after them. Halal there food. Have, yeah. There have been situations where they actually map out the route that, that these activists had to take from their offices to the Christian bakeries. And they had to pass Muslim bakeries in order to get to the Christian bakery to do the sting up. So they don't want to, they don't want to stir up that for lack of a better word. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. They will. I predict they will, because you, you, like you said, it's a hornet's nest, right? I mean, they're, they're they're screwing with the Christian one. They're they're, going to start, screwing with the Jewish one, which they've had a lot of, um, they've done a lot. But as soon as they go after that Muslim piece, right, you've got every major religion that has been factionalized, right? That is a voting base that once you're at each, at each other's throats, it's really hard to come back. Yeah. I mean, it takes an act of God, quote unquote, to get everybody back together. And that's, it's, well, it's what is this? They are now, what? They're trying to take Jews out of the equation entirely. By saying what the Torah teaches us about gender fluidity and transgender justice. Mm. I'm sorry. Nowhere in the Bible, in the Torah, right? (laughs) In any of the Muslim holy books. Nowhere will you find men can be women, women can be men. It just isn't in the source material. Yeah. God created man and woman, right? He's been very clear. But they're trying to take the Jewish community out of the equation and say, oh, well, the Jews have always supported transgenderism. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it 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 is crazy because it it's it's a it's a truly they've perfected the form of gaslighting and they oh, really boy. have. They, they they look at an at a uh, they'll look at a priest or they'll look at a rabbi or they'll look at an imam and they'll say with a straight face, "Your religion has always supported X, Y, and Z." And many of them will just say, "Yeah, you're right. You're right." Yeah. It's yeah. And they're afraid to say anything back. You yeah, know, fear fear is a pirate that always tells you you're wrong and chases you down, right? And that that's what the the left has done. They have turned fear into a pirate, and they're constantly like raiding you with it. I remember when I was in college, right? And I was I'm an anthropology major, so you can imagine that I was probably the only white straight male with conservative leanings in my class. Definitely, if you went today, that'd be true. Oh yeah, and um, did it, did did, did oh, you ever did you ever uh, look at any like uh? archaeological site and say oh this was a there was a transgender individual buried here so that's where they're trying to do it they're trying to do it i'm sorry i read your mind okay so first off when you look at a skeleton you don't know what it is you just kind of guess there's a few things that you can do for a skeleton to see whether it was like male or female you can even assign some race to it really right but it's all a bunch of probabilities what they had been doing is that they were there was this there's this huge thing about Native Americans where they put them on this pedestal. Two spirits. And you know, they were the happy. And then suddenly everybody wants to study the two spirits because there would be a person that was two spirits. You know, it was a man and a woman and they would act as a wife to another husband and stuff like that. But those were the examples are so few and far between that they want you to think it was the norm. And it's not because a lot of those groups, if you've spent any time with the Native, you know that they have very little how do I say this? They have very little compassion for people who identify beyond male and female. In fact, their whole culture is built around whether you are male or female, depending yeah. on what you are there whether to you, do. Whether, whether you pass the trials, whether you pass the manhood trials, whether you are seen as a man in right. the tribe. And I, I've done some studies that I have to be careful about. 
that if anybody was viewed as being outside of that gender or considered gay, they would go after them, threaten their lives, burn their houses, you know, burn their cars. So, I mean, there's just this happy little cloud of, you know, there's, there's gender fluidity and everything. A lot of the people I was going to school with, all of their PhDs hinged on the LBGTQ, add the letter that you want, study for their PhD program. All their theses would end up containing something along that nature. And when, you, when you're, and you're putting out all these academics who end up becoming college and high school teachers, that's the message now that we're, we're feeding through the system. And that's where the problem. grant money, that's where the grant money is. You know, that oh, you can get that. Th- th- this comes in ebbs and flows in academia. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their research, but then they have to look at the availability of, of research grants and they mm-hmm. say, OK, what money is available? OK, well, I want to study this. But if I look at it through this lens, mm-hmm. I'll get this research money. I can still do my underlying research. Right? I can still get into the dirt. Right. But. I have to do the paper, do this project through this lens and mm-hmm. they'll fund the entire thing. Or cool. I'm a starving anthropologist and mm-hmm. I have no money at all. So this happens and it, and, and the, the interests change over time and the interests guide the research. I think a lot of times the research will guide the interests, but in many of these situations, the interests really do force the researchers to go down a path. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do it at all. I was reading something. I'm not an expert on on uh, Native American tribes. I am part Native American, but I'm not an expert at all. Um, I was reading someone, someone, uh, this one guy was arguing that he thinks there are more two spirit identified people today than have ever existed in Native American tribes through to the dawn of man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that makes a lot of sense. And you got to remember, these were groups of people that their whole lives hinged on whether they ate that day or, you know, you, when yeah. you had a kid, that's, you, it was a matter of survival. You're not going to spend your time and resources on somebody you can't have a kid with. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Your tribe won't spend right. those, those resources. And maybe one of those two individuals become, you know, like, like, like shaman medicine person, because maybe they're special, you know, there's something about them and they, they would fill that role. But for yeah. the most part, why spend the resources on something that has no return? Not a lot of, not a lot in the historical rec- record of boys failing their first hunt, failing their manhood ceremony, and then going off and living with the women. It, it, yeah. It, 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 they, it wasn't like that. You don't get another shot at the other side. Um, Interesting. We we yeah. got to do a whole episode on this because, yeah. especially from an anthropological perspective, there's a lot to talk about. I don't want to get too far off because we have half an hour left, yeah. but we will do another episode on this, and we probably will not go live to YouTube when we do because uh, we want to be able to talk a little freely about this issue yeah, without being banned. But I mean, just just the 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 winners and losers. Obviously, the transgender movement has been identified as a winner in leftist regimes. They are the ones that have to be propped up. Conservatives have to be pushed down. And there's this new story out just yesterday. Um, go ahead and share my screen. Uh, oh, you can. Right here. I can. There you go. Yeah. I'm just talking myself. Man accused of threatening Biden shot and killed in FBI raid in Utah. The guy's name was yeah. Craig Deliu Robertson. Now, I don't know anything about Craig Robertson. I don't know if he fired on police. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't. If you tell me that the police raided a man's home at 6 a.m. and he is a 70-year-old who is disabled, I I am going to need to know more 
before I think that he just opened fire on police officers because he hates the police. I, I need to know more. Yeah, there, there's a lot of context also missing here. There's a lot of details we don't have. So when I uh, I was kind of reading some of the tweets that they they used to kind of you know start surveilling this guy, and there was a few in there where he made claims that he wanted to assassinate the president, uh, that he'd be wearing a ghillie suit and a rifle. Uh, as he got closer and then, you know, Biden was actually scheduled to come in. But this guy apparently had a hard time just moving as it is. I know he's a disabled vet, so it's not like his speed was up to par with that stuff. But he would even he was even actually threatening um, the FBI or whatever through his social media posts. So they were they were heavily surveilling this guy left and right. And when they go to make a move and you already know this guy is armed to the teeth and you're banging on the door, a guy like him is just going to start shooting most yeah. likely right well, and then well, suddenly he's dead and we're gonna know, need to know more what was that lead up did they announce themselves did they knock or did mm-hmm. they just kick down the guy's door um 6 a.m it's entirely possible that he didn't know what was going on he thought he was being robbed right mm-hmm. and and that's really the difficulty of serving warrants on people i do think that the fbi was um was basically told to expect violence because this is, this is, and, and we were talking before we got on the air today. This is something that <laughs> facetiously, I say it's amazing when yeah. a Trump supporter gets shot and killed during an early morning raid. Immediately, you know, everything about that person. You have his old photos, you have his Facebook posts, you have mm-hmm. his writings, you know, everything. But when a transgender terrorist shoots up a Christian school, everything gets memory hold. Everything gets covered up. We still don't know the actual motive behind the Las Vegas shooter. And this is years later, but we know yeah. everything about this guy, everything, everything. But this is one of the posts that came out. Apparently he was approached by the FBI on March 30th about a social media post that he made where he said, I had a dream. And in that dream, I killed, I, I think I killed Merrick Garland. Yeah. And it was, it was a beautiful dream and I loved it. And so they approached him and said, "We th- are you threatening to kill Merrick Garland? And he said, no, it's my, I had a dream. I, r- yeah. I wrote, it was, it was a dream I had. And it, it, it was nice, but it's a dream. And he told them to leave unless they get a warrant. And the social media post that he put up after that was, quote, the FBI tried to interfere with my free speech right in my driveway. My 45 ACP was ready to smoke him with laugh emojis surrounding it. Now, from his perspective, you can see how it feels that way. He posted on social media that he had a dream. Mm-hmm. It was a very morbid dream of him shooting and killing the attorney general. He didn't actually say, I am going to kill the attorney general. He didn't no. say that. No. And so when they confront him, he says, listen, I have free speech rights. That was a dream I had. I don't control my own dreams. I am going to I am gonna share certain dreams. It's my free speech. You see how that, from his perspective, could come across that way. But on the FBI side, they see this. And they say, oh, well, we have to serve this warrant. And just so you know, everyone, he's already laughed about shooting and killing FBI agents. So you have yeah. to think when they when they kick down that door at 6.15 a.m. and they see this 70-year-old disabled man with a gun in his hand checking what's going on, who just kicked down my door. We don't have all the facts yet, but you can imagine a circumstance where an FBI agent, knowing, being told that he's going to smoke, smoke him, if he sees him again, 
where an FBI agent could take that shot before he has to worry about any return fire. Did they go in with a chip on their shoulder already? Don't know. You know, were they looking for a gunfight with this guy to send a message? I don't know. Uh, at what point does the free speech, you know, because free speech is really starting to come up really, really a lot in the court cases just in this past year, right? Even Trump's facing a, a free speech one. You know, I, to say that you had a dream that you killed somebody is just a statement making a dream. But the FBI wants to take that as, you know, oh, yeah. you, you personally threatening them, right? You know, and they're, are they taking it personally? And, and who was assigned to this? You know, who, who's the one that gave the order to go after this person? Yeah, you know? no, it, it, it I, again, I don't know if he's a good guy. I, I don't, I don't I, know. I mean, based on one of these things, like one of these posts, let me pull it up. It was a, uh, no, this one, um, based on the other social media posts that they've shared. He said, I hear Biden's coming to Utah, digging out my old ghillie suit and cleaning the yeah. dust off the M24 sniper rifle. Welcome buffoon in chief. That justifies a, uh, uh, a, a knock on the door, a visit. That's the right? one I read. And I was like, so that one I would look at and I'd be like, Hey man, are you are you insinuating you're going to snipe the president? Yeah, you know, and, and that's and, the one I'm calling. And you sh- and you sure as hell watch that man the entire time that Biden is in Utah, right? Yeah, absolutely. But if you see this, and then you you, you go and look at him, and he's an old, a seventy year old, three hundred pound disabled man with limited mobility, you gotta assume he's not going to be climbing up the mountain in a ghillie suit. At this point, now there are pictures of him in a ghillie suit from 10, 15 years ago, but a lot can happen. In t- yeah, a lot happens just six months. This this definitely needs a knock. Definitely needs investigation. But I don't think this is why they shot him. I think they shot him because they knew about this one. Did, did it warrant having a, an entire assault team to go down there and talk to him about this? Did it have to be 6 a.m.? Which is late in the day for them to do it. Usually they do that like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., so you're not awake, right? 6 a.m., something's coming up. Like, this is... He might have been awake already. I don't know. They're going to do all their shooting after breakfast? They could have just as easily waited for him to go to a doctor's appointment and arrested him there, arrested him on the highway, arrested him as he's leaving the house. Not so he's in... I don't know. this, This doesn't... This reeks of... We, we need more information. And again, yeah. I'm not saying he was, he was a good guy. He might have been what Trump calls a bad hombre. I don't know. But the narrative that they're putting out, like this is the narrative. The, all that they're saying is uh, the incident began, quote, when special agents attempted to serve arrest and search warrants at the residence, the subject is deceased. That That's their description of events. So we need to know more, right? So we met him and then boom, he's dead. Yeah, we need to know more. Um, and I, I hope that that information comes out, but this kind of, this trigger happy, this trigger happy approach to conservatives, you know, that the other side of the coin, we've seen the black lives matter protests, the riots over no knock raids on African American drug dealers, how that has been declared, um, uh, 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 human rights violations. Violate. I forget. I, I forget what the actual case was, but there was one case where there was a drug dealer who had a no knock raid, and the police killed the woman he was sleeping with. With yeah, and, and that became a whole thing. And so now on the social justice on the on the 
BLM side, it's we can't have no knock raids. We can't have um, armed searches. Don't send the police. Send uh, a, a counselor. Send a therapist instead. So again, this seems like a different story, but it really does does fit into this narrative that this what we're seeing of kid gloves for one group of people, armed riot gear, <laughs> SWAT SWAT raid mm-hmm. for another person. Right? The left says that you should instead of sending police to break up violent inner city domestic disputes, send a counselor. Mm-hmm. We know what that's going to create. That's, you're just going to have more dead counselors. <laughs> they're going to pull up. They're going to see it's dangerous. They're going to call somebody and they're going to leave. Yeah. So that, that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. But also going in guns blazing, I'm reminded. I mean, you think about the FBI. You th- I mean, the ATF is well known for this shooting people's dogs. They go mm-hmm. on a raid and they see a dog that's a little yippy and they, and they, they shoot it. It's become a meme at this point, but there's enough there to justify the meme. Um, yeah. You don't see that. You see the exact opposite on the other side of the political spectrum. This push to reform the police, reform raids to ensure that people aren't killed during early morning, no knock kind of raids. And the, the thing that really disturbs me here is for years, Donald Trump has been saying they're coming after me because they can't come after you. And that's, and, and that's been his, his thing, right? He's saying that he is taking the slings and arrows for his supporters, and he will take the brunt to protect his supporters. What we've seen after January 6th especially is this push to go after conservatives. Go after Trump. We'll get to him in a second, but also to go after conservatives. Yeah. You show up to someone's house for a no-knock raid, you almost guarantee that they're going to have a weapon. I mean, one in two houses in the U.S. has a gun, right? They, they, like they, said, they said it might be would... it might be two and three. You see the latest study because no, they're finally great, admitting but... they're finally admitting that gun owners aren't going to tell a stranger on the phone that they own a gun. Absolutely, <laughs> but but if you so show up or not, this style right, it almost guarantees a confrontation. It's like they know yeah. it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I forgot my second point, and it, it was really going to essentially deal with like this, like who's the bad guy, right? Is it the liberals that are sitting there burning the cities? who are, are going after reporters, who are going after um, juries, you know, that in that case we were just talking about before. I mean, she looked at each one and said, I'm going to remember all your faces when this is over. And then she quit being a prosecutor, right? I mean, it, it's like the FBI wants to cause a, a fight with one group and then walk away from the others, guaranteeing that one side looks more violent than the other, right? I mean, is this yeah. all for optics, right? I mean, do they want every person out there that owns a gun whatever to be vilified in that way and then part of me thinks the answer is yeah i mean it's it's a stretch but right now they're giving me a lot of evidence saying they really just want to push you as far as possible because you're going to respond yeah yeah so they're coming after us but they are still also coming after trump and we didn't we didn't go live last week I, i wish we could have because obviously this indictment came down it was it was very strange being in, in California when this came down because there were a lot of really happy people the afternoon that this came down. And I'm like, why are they all so happy? And I said, oh, they're happy because we just got one step closer to a civil war. And these little hippies are excited about that, apparently. No idea. No. We also learned um, we also learned that Jack Smith has subpoenaed Donald Trump's Twitter account to go yeah. after his tweets. Specifically, they're looking for deleted tweets. 
And the reason that they're looking for deleter, deleted tweets is that is part of the narrative that Jack uh, Smith is, uh, is portraying. So if, if we go ahead, I'll put up my screen. This is from the indictment. I'm just looking um, at this indictment. The whole narrative that, that they are pushing is that Donald Trump defrauded the United States by basically engaging a conspiracy to undermine Congress using data and arguments that they knew to be false. And their claim rests on the argument that Donald Trump did not actually believe that the 2020 election had fraudulent votes. They're, they're resting on this claim that Donald Trump knew what he was saying was false, and therefore he acted with fraudulent intent to use information he knew to be false to better himself. That's their argument. The minute Donald Trump gets on the stand and says, no, I, I believe this. This is who told me that. That narrative falls apart. But there's a part in the section that seemed really off to me when I read it um, last week, a week and a half ago. And it was this part about what Donald Trump was doing on January 6th while the protest was happening. And I'll just read it real quick. The defendant repeatedly refused to approve uh, a message directing rioters to leave the Capitol as urged by his most senior advisors, yada, yada, yada. Instead, the defendant issued two tweets that did not ask rioters to leave the Capitol, but instead falsely suggested that the crowd at the Capitol was being peaceful, including 2.38 p.m. Please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. And then 3.13 p.m. I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. So the special counsel is arguing. I mean, it basically, it seems like he wants to bring charges on Donald Trump causing a riot, right? He, he, he wants to bring those charges, but he didn't. He didn't. And so instead, what he's saying, it, does, it, it was very strange that Donald Trump should have told them to stop, but he didn't. And he didn't do a good enough job telling them to stop. And he didn't brand the entire protest as lawless so therefore that means he must have supported it so they're they're looking they subpoena twitter to get at his deleted tweets or or tweets that were drafts or or direct messages i guess they're looking for like a draft message of saying stop this stop this stop this which then he decided not to stop but that still that isn't a crime right that's a draft i mean he's not you can draft anything you want yeah they, right? they, I mean, it's just a draft. And he's they are acute, they're basically trying to make the argument that he caused this, which you, you'll never be able to prove in a court of law because he stood no. up on stage and said, march peacefully, go to Congress peacefully and protest peacefully. Right. So the it. argument. Yeah, we all watched it. We covered it on the conservative daily podcast when we were over there we at did. the time. They can't argue that he actually incited the riot, but they're trying to claim that he had fraudulent intent because he didn't tell them to stop in a in a forceful enough way it's it's ridiculous so when i when i was reading this i was so confused but now the subpoenas for twitter make a lot more sense yeah so if if they're trying to hinge their entire case based on him inciting riots i would love to see the discovery where we find out that the fbi had or a, an organization allegedly planted people to act as rioters. So 
who was in charge of telling the rioters to go? It wasn't him. So who yeah. gave the order for people to riot? Yeah. And then yeah. why are they going for Shumpert? Because how many people were plants? That, and that I, is I something. A few people that have been there, right? And they said they saw what they, yeah. I, I consider these people professional people watchers, right? They're like, there was agents everywhere. And they took down barriers before the whole thing happened. So they were setting up an environment where you could get these, these, these bad hombres to set up and play, right? I like that you've adopted that language the bad i kind of liked it because it, <laughs> i like that a lot but you know what i mean i mean yeah. if, if if a group planted or a cia whoever it is allegedly planted there these individuals how is trump responsible for inciting a riot when somebody was already going to do it anyway yeah and, and that i mean it's, it's textbook entrapment at that point right absolutely so who who started this who gave the order for that to happen i mean and then Where's the discovery on that? I, I mean, is Jack Smith going to have that evidence to present? Is the defense going to have that evidence pres to present? Because if they've been suppressing it, it's not out there. How can you really take this thing to trial then? Because, yeah. I mean, this is tenuous at best. The real on, question on is, charges. who were the FBI and DOJ officials involved with those undercover operations on January 6th? Absolutely. And are any of them involved in this special counsel investigation because that's exactly. something we saw with trump russia we saw um peter struck lisa page james comey andrew mccabe all in all in these secret meetings talking about oh we're gonna get trump get trump mm -hmm. right uh peter struck saying don't worry we'll get him and so trump russia fizzles out but what happens when they finally start investigating trump in the special counsel you see all these same cast of characters migrate over the special counsel investigation because we don't we don't know they'll never share this that's why they don't want to show the video footage of the of the day because you'll be able to use facial recognition software to tell who was there you'll be able to put out bolos to the public saying hey who is this guy anyone know this guy if they can find the woman on the plane who was shouting that mother effer in the back is not real if they can find her <laughs> which they just yeah. did they can find the fed boy who was the one who knocked down the gate and, and led the charge um <clears throat> so that's why they don't want to don't want to share that but if if it comes out that these are the same cast of characters i mean you have to you have to assume at this point you know it's connected you absolutely yeah. know it's connected and it's and treasonous. The, the crazy part of it all we're, we're we have about nine minutes left the crazy part of this all is what donald trump did in the lead up and on that day it's 100% protected by the First Amendment to the Constitution. The right to not only speak, but to petition government for a redress of grievances. That's yeah. the part of the First Amendment that isn't being talked about. It's not just that he had the right to speak. It's that he had the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And there is a memo that is be that was circulated within the Trump White House. This is from John uh. Eastman. Um we had we had him on Conservative Daily podcast before. Huh? I I sat on a panel with him. Super nice guy. Um, cowboy hat. Really, he seems like a genuine dude, and he means well. He's not like an insurrectionist, right? He's not like the he's not the kind of guy that wants to topple the government. He was giving Donald Trump his legal and constitutional opinion as a constitutional law professor, and what he what he cited in this memo was that the Electoral Count Act, the law governing how the votes are counted, was likely unconstitutional because of how it 
stipulated, <clears throat> both chambers must decide on an issue. The Constitution says that both chambers, the House and the Senate, will work together and vote together, whereas the Electoral Count Act says that they have to go separately and vote separately. So he was arguing this is unconstitutional. And if this is unconstitutional, then that would mean that the underlying process that was in place in, in the early to late 1800s would be what governs the counting of the votes. And if that is the case, then you have a situation just like Thomas Jefferson had, where he, as vice president, exerts a little control over the ballot counting to get something that he wants. So his argument was that Vice President Pence would open and count the ballots. And then when he gets to Arizona, he announces that he has multiple slates of electors before him. The slate sent to him there, and then the other slate arguing that this was fraudulent and we should be certified. And that he doesn't know which is which, and he should punt it back to the states. Let the states decide. The state, certify. Certify right now, on the clock, almost like it's an NFL draft, on the clock, certify that this was the real results. And if they don't come back within a certain amount of time with their 100% certified, this is who we're saying won, cross our heart, hope to die. If they didn't come back with that, then it would go to the House of Representatives. And the House of Representatives would decide who's the president as the Constitution is, as the Constitution explains in the processes. So this is a constitutional argument, Josh. And presidents make these arguments all the time. The president, the chief executive, it's his job to interpret and enforce the law. Well, the courts interpret it, but he has to interpret it to an extent to enforce it. So the president of the United States is, on advice of his constitutional law council, saying that this is an unconstitutional law, and I think we should go about it this way. Well, Josh, the mechanism for disputing that is not a criminal indictment. It is to sue him, mm -hmm. bring it before the courts, and have the courts decide what the constitutional interpretation truly is. That didn't happen. What did happen a couple years later is Congress amended the law to make sure that this interpretation was no longer possible at all. <laughs> so... There, it's, it's, it's almost like an ex post facto thing because when you mm -hmm. read the indictment, the indictment refers to the law as Congress changed it. But before Congress changed it, it allowed, at least theoretically, for this argument. What so it's a I mean, joke. This is banana Republic stuff. This is changing the law after the fact and trying to get, like, to get an outcome, right? But imagine, imagine if, imagine if, and Imagine if there was, let's say, Montana. There is a Republican prosecutor, district attorney, and a landlord comes to them and said, I was robbed. And the district attorney says, oh, my God, that's terrible. Who robbed you? Is it the president of the United States? The president of the United States went out last year, or maybe it was the year before, and he said on an open mic in front of the cameras, I know what I'm doing is unconstitutional, but I am ordering a nationwide eviction moratorium. The president exceeded his authority. Deprivation of, deprivation of my rights under color of law. He, he said he knew what he was doing was wrong and he stole my income from me by forcing me to let those freeloaders stay in my apartment. Now imagine yeah. if a Montana prosecutor indicted Joe Biden Based for causing that. that harm in Montana. Mm -hmm. Under this process, what the special counsel was doing, that is possible. Technically it's a possible. Joke. But you, you wouldn't do it. That's not how those things are litigated. Yeah. But the way this special counsel is running this investigation in Trump, that's technically possible. And it's actually probably easier to do because you have Joe Biden on camera saying, I know what I'm doing is illegal and unconstitutional. 
but I'm doing it anyway. Unlike Trump saying on advice of counsel, I think this is the way to go. It's mind blowing. Like that one, you know, it's just those moments to change in the middle of things. I mean, that, that it just smells of that deep state that doesn't exist, right? It just smells of those groups that just want to force an outcome. I mean, and, and why the hardcore hate against Trump for all of that at the time? I mean, he must have been doing something right. Yeah. Wrong, no, I mean, right? Cheap, cheap gas so prices, right? Low inflation. Low inflation. Um, cheap rent, uh, cheap mortgage, cheap, cheap. Uh, the way he was talking to America's rates. enemies. I mean, yeah, yeah. No wars. And now, I mean, I can't have an incandescent light bulb. Yeah. yeah. My gas stove. What's going to happen with that? I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I'm just. You know, we always You're the problem. About You're the problem. I, I'm the problem. I mean. I love America and I love the constitution and every single one of my rights, you know, how many rights out there do you have that, you know, they, they finagle the law, they can send you to jail for, how's that a right? If you can go to jail for exercising your rights, Trump is just using his first amendment, right? Yeah. No, and, and, and it was all based on counsel. It's not, he, it's not like he was like, go, go. He's the president he of the United States interpreting the law in a certain yeah. way and encouraging the vice president of the United States to interpret it similarly yeah. And they have indicted him for it. The only president who has been indicted for for what they argue is a misinterpretation of the Constitution, of, of the law. Why hasn't it been thrown out yet? Then? Why is it being allowed to continue? Because the judge, the judge, they did it in D.C. I know, and but they've got two venues also that they're 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 working at the same time. So. Well, that's the last really, bit. That's that's, yeah, that's the last bit. We we put this up before yeah. we end. Yeah. The judge in Florida, Trump appointee, is now demanding that the special counsel answer whether it is legal and constitutional for him to, to have another grand jury looking at issues that he has brought in her um, district. So basically, he has brought 80% of the case against Trump in Florida because that's where the documents were housed. But he could have brought all of them there. He is basically keeping one or two bullets in the magazine so that if this Trump judge uh, throws it out, he can turn around and use this DC or this or another Florida um, grand jury to bring the last bits. It's, it's I mean, lawfare. This is lawfare. Yeah. And, Using and, law and, as a form of warfare. And usually courts frown on it if you try to do that, right? I mean, they, they want you to bring the whole case to one area so that way it gets tried in that one place because it it could be friendly or unfriendly to the and if you did it apart, yeah. if you did it yeah. apart, the defendant would argue for those cases to be consolidated. Absolutely. And say, Your Honor, I can't afford to try three cases in three different venues. They're all basically the same thing. Let's consolidate these cases. But no, that's not uh there's a reason for it. Give yeah, me the final I mean, word. It's I mean talk about some of the most underhanded things that happen day after day. Right. When are we going to stop weaponizing the very laws and institutions of our country that make it great? I mean, when did we lose the FBI? When did we lose the Department of Justice? When did we lose the CIA? When did we lose, you know, people that um, listen to one another and just debate back and forth? When did we lose political discourse? Right. It's gone. There's nothing left. And, I mean, it's not really a, a last word here. I'm just, I'm, I'm just blown away by the lawlessness they're allowing. Like, you know, how long ago did we have the Hunter Biden laptop? Nothing happened with it. And then 
boom, Trump gets prosecuted in days. January 6th, people are caught the next day, but Hunter Biden takes years, right? Yeah, slow takes walks years. it. Takes years. Slow walks it. Pissed. It's, you, sh you should be pissed. Um, so my final word would be to everyone, don't let this scare you. This is a fight worth fighting. It's, it's a fight we have to fight if we have any hope of saving this country. But also at the same time, don't make it easy for them to bring a case against you. Don't do what this guy did and even insinuate at all that you want to shoot the president. Um, don't do that because then, then they'll show up at your door and they'll shoot you at 6 a.m. Um, and, and they won't lose a minute's sleep over it either. So be smart. Be, uh, <laughs> be, be, have your wits about you. Yeah. And, and don't make it easy because they, they've made it very clear that they want to go after all of us however they can. That's going to be it for this edition of The Right Guys Podcast. If you like the show, please head over to PrepSOS.com. PrepSOS.com and use promo code MAX. Get 5% off your order and help support the show. We do get a little bit of that money. So if you want to help prepare for <laughs> what seems like it's coming faster than ever before. It's a straight freight train. If you want to prepare for that. <laughs> Please do head over to Prep SOS and use promo code Max. Um, even little things like this. This is a life straw. Basically, Fantastic. if you ever find yourself in the wilderness and you need to drink, this is a filter. So you could use a, a water source, filter it, and it'll filter out like 99 point something percent of harmful bacteria and things like that. So just uh, check that out. Again, PrepSOS.com, promo code Max. Support the show and prepare. That's it for this edition of the Right Guys Podcast. If you like it, make sure you subscribe to the audio version. Even if you watch us live live or pre-recorded on YouTube or Rumble, sign up for the audio version. That way we can prove the numbers as we go to advertisers. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, Audible. All those links are in the description. Just check those out. Yeah. Um, make sure you subscribe. That's going to be it for this edition of the Right Guys Podcast. My name is Max McGuire again. Uh -huh. I'm Josh Hammerling. Man, I almost missed the cue. I know. And remember, the fight to take back the country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stamp and fight together. See you guys next week. See you.